0: kind of thought that struck my heart as I was preparing this week is this idea again of relationship over religion. That Jesus didn't die on the cross. God didn't send him to do that so we could find a set of rituals and routines and behaviors to kind of try and earn our way into the presence of God. That wasn't his plan. His plan's always been for relationship. Religion is actually man's attempt, our best efforts to get to God. But who knows that our efforts were never going to be good enough. And so we were never saved for religion, we've been saved for relationship with God. Who thinks that's good news? And so I kind of want to talk to you this morning about this idea of relationship with God. See, for me, it's quite an incredible thought that as we sit here today, we are God's created, planned, and purposed children. Does anyone think that's a great thing? No one, and I mean no one, is an accident or a mistake. You were planned. God wanted you on the earth. I don't know if you've ever been told that you're an accident or a mistake. I don't know when you look at your life, and I think this is a word for someone this morning, you think my life was a mistake. Well, I can tell you that from the word and from what I understand, your life is not a mistake. You were not an accident. God planned you. God purposed you. God wanted you on the earth, and God's got a great future for you. And that's a great thought and a great understanding for us to capture in our heart. And I believe it is a word for someone this morning. Have a look at Psalm 139, verse 13 to 16. We know it well. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. Your works, guess what the works are? That's, that's you and me. His works, you're his works and you are wonderful. We've got to get the revelation and know it full well within us. My frame, verse 15, was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them even came to be. Who thinks that's a good piece of good news for you this morning? He has planned you Every day of your life has been ordained by God, the creator of the universe. This is Father God. This is the creator of the heavens and the earth who is all-powerful, all-knowing, sovereign and supreme over all things. He created each and every single one of us so that he could love us. That's the good news. He didn't create us to run around and just entertain Him. He created us because He wanted to love us, but He also wanted us to love Him in return. And see, that's the truth of who God is. Whether you realize it or not or acknowledge it or not, that is the truth of who our God is. He's a God of love. He created us so He could love us and we could love Him. But to understand this kind of love we're talking about this morning can sometimes be difficult Through the paradigm of our lives, the way we see our lives, the way we see the world, sometimes to understand God as an all-loving and all-powerful God can sometimes be difficult for us to grasp. You see, God never forced us to love Him in return. That's what I love about God. He never forced us. This is an incredible part of what God has given us and the power He's given us. He gave us, as humankind, free will. He gave us the opportunity to choose to love Him in return. That means He gave us the power to also reject His love. And so when we look in the earth today, there are those that have chosen to love God in return. It hasn't changed whether God loves us or not. It's just changed whether we love God or not. Some love Him, but some have chosen to reject His love. That's the power God gave people. What we need to understand is that a love that is freely given is the only true and powerful love that actually exists in the world. A love that is demanded, it's not true love at all. A relationship that is forced, is not a life-giving relationship. But when we choose, you and I, when we choose to accept God's love, open our lives completely up to it, and respond to Him in love, we now have a recipe for what the Bible calls abundant life or fruitful life. It's about our response to God and us choosing to love Him. But sadly, as I said, many have rejected God's love. And they wonder why there's kind of this emptiness in their heart. We kind of call it, there's this God-shaped hole inside of every single one of us that only God can fill, and yet there are many people who walk around in the world empty and wondering why. That's because the emptiness they're feeling can only ever be filled or fulfilled by God and a relationship with him. It'll never be fulfilled by religion. And there are many people who are sitting in churches even and wondering why they feel an emptiness. I'll tell you why. Because religion can never fill the void. Only relationship can fill the gap that we feel in our lives. It's only an intimacy and a knowledge of who God is and how much he loves us that will ever fill the gap that people feel and experience in their hearts. It's like having a lawnmower. I've used this analogy before, but I like it, so I'm using it again. It's like having a lawnmower that has no blades on it. It's still a lawnmower. It still goes. It still looks how it's meant to look. But it can never accomplish the purpose that it was sent to do, which is to cut grass, because the essential part, the unseen part, is missing. You can use that lawnmower as much as you like, but I'm telling you now, it won't cut your grass. It might over time burn some of it, but it'll never cut it. It was designed to cut grass, but that's what it's like when you don't have a relationship with God in your life. You're still a person. You still look the same, but you're missing something that is unseen, and it's called a relationship and a loving relationship with the Lord. But see, that's the beauty of who God is, that He wanted relationship with every single person on planet Earth. And the relationship that He created, He risked that children of His would reject His love. And yet it's a gift for us, a relationship that is two ways. I believe that's an absolute gift. What are the two ways? Well, the first is to be known by God and to be loved by Him. The second is, is to know God and love Him in return. It's two ways. I'm thankful it was not just being known by God and loved by Him, but it's also knowing God and loving Him in return. Any decent relationship has to be a two-way relationship. It could never be a one-way kind of deal. You see, we can easily know God, have God know us, and still not have the fullness of a relationship that He had planned for us if we don't work at keeping it fresh. You've got to work at keeping a relationship fresh. It's true in friendships. It's true in marriage. It's true in families and any relationship dynamic. You've got to keep it fresh. You've got to do the work. You've got to keep putting in. You've got to keep giving it your best in order to have a fresh and quality relationship. So I want to look at some quality or some characteristics of a close and intimate relationship with you this morning. Here's the first thing. In a good relationship, we've got to spend good quality time together. You can't have a great relationship with somebody if you're not going to spend quality time connecting. You cannot grow your relationship with God into its fullness without spending quality time with Him. Well, how do I do this? I do this through worship. I will sing whenever I get a chance to sing. I'll worship God in my car. I'll worship God in the shower sorry for that visual I'll worship God on the toilet if I have to I'll worship God any time any day wherever I have the opportunity I will sing songs why is that important why is that make it a close relationship because when I sing I sing about how big my God is I can remind myself of who God is and what God has accomplished in my life. I sing and begin to remind myself and my life situations how big and real my God truly is. Worship is powerful. It's a key. Spend quality time in worship. But I also speak to God constantly. I spend quiet time with Him. I read His Word. Do you know this book, the Bible? I've got one here this morning. It's a good thing to bring to church, but I've got one. It's so important. It's not a law book. It's a life book. This will teach you who God is. So as you sing and as you read the word, you begin to understand how big God really is, how much of a plan he's got for you. You read scriptures like Psalm 139, and you begin to remind yourself that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. His thoughts toward me, if I were to count them, outnumber the grains of sand on the earth. This is the God who we're in love with. This is the God who we've got to spend some quality time with to remind ourselves of who God is. So I spend time in his word. It helps to shape my character, as I begin to see who God is, the character of God, it begins to shape my character and my life's direction. So the first thing is to spend quality time together. The second is to become one. Characteristic of a close relationship, to become one. Ever seen couples who spend time together? More often than not, they end up liking the same things. They even end up dressing the same sometimes. If you're single, it's those moments where you kind of roll your eyes because it's kind of... Uh, Yet in a marriage, in a marriage relationship, it's key. And it's incredible when a couple in relationship travel in the same direction together, committed to the same outcomes, committed to the same life direction. It's no good having a relationship where we're going in opposite directions. It'll never work. The idea of being together is we're singular in our vision and where we want to go and what we want to achieve with our lives. That's what sets up a great marriage for the future, great relationships, is we're heading in the same direction. Trust me, if you go in a different direction, it causes friction. But it's the same in our relationship with God. In the end, having spent time with Him, you love what He loves. You're interested in what He is interested in. And you will spend your time and energy on the things that God loves. It doesn't just come out of a a have-to thing. It must come out of a want-to. And it comes out of a close relationship with Him. When I'm in a close relationship with God, when I'm in worship, when I'm in His Word, when I come to church, I learn what is God passionate about in the earth. What does God want to see happen? And out of my relationship with Him, I love what He loves. That's why I love the local church, because the local church is God's plan. He loves the local church. And so when you know God, you know, and you fall in love with the local church. That's why so many of you serve and give and are so faithful every week within our church. Here's the third thing. Characteristic of a great relationship things are shared. Things are shared. Who doesn't like this one? In a relationship with balance, responsibility is shared. The stuff we love is shared. Perhaps you buy a flash sports car that you've looked forward to your whole life. In a marriage relationship, you share everything. So you're going to share your sports car with your wife, and you're going to risk the rims being scratched. But because you love her more than you love the sports car, it doesn't matter. Some of you are going, you're so sexist using that story. Totally. She's going to share the flash car with me. You love her more than you love your sports car. Because in marriage, everything is shared. In relationships, we share everything. But you see, it's no different with God. I love this about God. He shared responsibility for the salvation of the world with you and me. He shared that with us. And he established his church. That includes you as his bride to reach people who yet don't have a relationship with him. Christ's heart. God's heart for sending Jesus was that he would come and seek and save those that were far from relationship with him. And his bride, the bride of Christ, the church, you and me would also love and share in seeking those who are far from him. It still amazes me that God has allowed us to partner with him to see his world transformed. Does anyone else think that's amazing? When you look in the mirror, do you go, that's God's answer? to the world. Scary thought, eh? But it is. It's not scary. God knows exactly what He's doing. He's partnered with us because we're in a loving relationship with Him. And in relationship, we share stuff, and He shares responsibility for the the salvation of the world. Even more amazing is He does not just allow those who seemingly have it all together to partner with Him in, in, in reaching people. It's anyone who's in relationship with him, you don't have to have it all together because we're not in religion, we're in relationship. And God will use anybody that says yes to him. You don't have to have it all together for God to use you. God says, if you say yes to me, I say yes to you. We're in relationship together. Nobody's perfect. If we wait to be perfect, we'll never step out and do anything. And I just think that's wonderful in our relationship with the Lord. But even further again, even more amazing to me is that he shared his righteousness with us. His right standing with God, he gave to you and me. That's got to get us excited every time we hear it. Now we've sat in church for how many years and we hear about this idea that we've been made righteous through Christ. Never lose the wow factor around the righteousness of Christ that he shared with us. Never get complacent on it. It's what has secured your eternity with God in heaven. Not your works, not what you can do, but what Jesus Christ has done for you. He has made you right with God. He shared it with us when he died upon the cross. I think that's incredible. Here's the fourth thing this morning. Sacrifice. It's a word we all love. Sacrifice. You see, we sacrifice for people that we love, don't we? Now being a parent myself, I've got this revelation of what my parents must have sacrificed in bringing me up. Had no idea growing up as a kid that they probably were going without lots of things. But now being a parent myself and reflecting back on my childhood, I recognize how much of a sacrifice, particularly my mother, but my parents paid for me to fulfill what God's called, put on my life. I think that's pretty amazing. It's about sacrifice for those that we love. And I would sacrifice for my kids in order to see them reach what God has placed before them and to reach the goals that they, he's put in their life and to ensure that they live blessed. I don't, Would you? And if I'm an earthly parent and I'm willing to do that, imagine what God was willing to do for you and I. He sacrificed everything through sending his son to die on the cross for us. That's how much he loves us. Jesus laid his life down for us so that you and I could know the power of an intimate relationship with a loving God. But in turn, we could live lives of sacrifice, for those that we love and are called to reach. We've just celebrated this year 30 years as a church. I think that's pretty cool. We're 30 years old. But as I look at our church and I consider that, it was built on the sacrifice of people. It's sacrifice. What is sacrifice? It's people who year after year, week after week, faithfully serve God in their local church, faithfully go without faithfully give of their time and their resource faithfully serve others i'm not talking about just the buildings we often think of the buildings and they are amazing we didn't get here without sacrifice but beyond the facility see if we didn't have the buildings we'd still have an amazing church because the church is you guys it wouldn't matter where we're meeting we'd still have an amazing church because the heart of the people in this church is built on sacrifice giving to one another, please hear me, I love the buildings, they're amazing, and we're blessed by God, but it's the people that make the church, and it's you guys that have sacrificed over 30 years, it hasn't come down to just leadership, though we've had amazing leadership for 29 years to build this church, it comes down to all of us getting behind vision, and being together united to see us reach all that God has for us to achieve, I think that's, well I'm excited about that, that's pretty cool. (laughs) another characteristic of relationships, number five, is they look and sound the same. People look and sound the same. You heard that? Again, it's another eye roller for single people, but we often pick up mannerisms and styles from people that we love and respect. Have you ever noticed that? Have you seen that? It's actually a, a sign of love and respect because it comes out of being really close to someone else. But that's how it is in our relationship with Christ. It's actually no different. That's the transforming power of the Holy Spirit that in relationship with Jesus, we begin to take on his character. We begin to take on his passions. We begin to take on the things that he loves. And guess what? We become more like him. Isn't that the goal? That's the goal of a close relationship. I don't know if you look at your life, but let me just talk about me. I look at my life and think, help. I need to become more like Jesus. I'm glad I'm on a journey to become more like Jesus. That's the plan, but it's not just gonna happen. I'm not just gonna fall into it. It's gonna come out of a close relationship with him. It's gonna come out of spending quality time with him and being in relationship with him. That's gonna shape my life and and, and create the way in which I will become more like Jesus. Here's the final one this morning. It's communication. 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 It's probably the key to all of these being a success. It's probably the biggest one for us to get right is this idea of communication in a close relationship. It's essential and it's what breeds a life-giving relationship in the first place. We must communicate in order to grow and thrive in our relationships. Look, I must talk to Angela. She's my wife. If you don't know who Angela is in the front row, it's my wife. I must talk to her I must tell her what I'm facing, what I'm afraid of, what's going on, what I'm feeling, what I'm anxious about, what I'm believing for, what I'm excited about, why I'm making the decisions I'm making. She's got to know what is going on in my heart. If I don't communicate, she'll never know. She'll be left wondering what's going on because communication is essential to a relationship that will thrive. So we've got to spend quality time together talking. See, talking is a a key side to communication. It's really, really important. I'm really good at the talking bit, eh? The talking bit I'm really good at. But there's another side to communication as well. This is the side I'm improving on. And that's listening. There's talking and there's listening. Not so good at that, eh, honey? Actually, tell the truth. If we have a disagreement, I argue both sides. She doesn't even say anything. I say, this is what I think. And you're going to say this, so I've already got an answer for it. This is what it is. Is there anyone else out there like that? I'm good at that, but I'm, I'm I'm learning to listen a little bit more. See, in our relationship with God, we must talk to God constantly. We must spend time in what I call, and this is just my phrase, but I call it natural prayer. There's times of what I'll call unnatural prayer, I'll talk about that in a minute, but we've got to spend time in natural prayer. Just talk to God. Spend time, just be aware of Him. Talk to Him. I talk to God about everything. I'll say, God, today I'm I'm a bit tired. Today, I could use your help. Today, I need some strength. Today, I've got a meeting and I could use some wisdom. God, I don't know what to have for lunch. I don't know. You just got to talk to God about everything because he cares about it all. God's not sitting up there going, why are you wasting my time? I'm not interested in that. God's interested in everything you're interested in. God's interested in everything you're facing. Get good at just talking to God about what you're facing in your life. It's natural. It's what you do in a relationship with the people closest to you. You tell them stuff that probably they don't really care about. You know, you tell them kind of everything weird, like I just got a bit of food stuck in my tooth. They don't really care, but you tell them because you love them. Listen, tell God he cares about the food stuck in your tooth, but just talk to God. Make it natural in your approach to your relationship with him. Natural prayer. Then there's this thing I call unnatural prayer. It becomes more natural over time, but it's where we learn the power of set times to really pray and really warfare. And really intercede for breakthrough. And we've got to get better at that. I set aside time to really engage with God on this, the issues that really matter. The stuff that I can't seem to shift or see a breakthrough. And we've got to get good at spending time. Corporate prayer is a great thing to be a part of. To get to prayer meetings and so I'm going to join with others in faith. And pray to see stuff break and to find breakthrough. We've also got to spend time, and this is the key part, listening to God. And hearing from him. I was really good like I was with Angie. Just telling God everything I needed him to do. And then write amen, full stop, get on with the day. Have you heard me God? I need this to happen at this time. I need you to come through on that thing. And I I need this to happen for me. And if it could happen on Thursday, that would be really good. Because on Friday I want to have a day off. And really good at that kind of stuff. But I've learned the power to stop and listen. And hear God speak to me. It's really important. In an intimate relationship, remember, it's two ways. So therefore, my, my heart is to speak to God, yes, but it's also to have God speak to me because I recognize just one, one word from God, one change in direction from God can set us up for great breakthrough in our lives. We've got to spend time and stay silent and listen. And prayer is the thing I'm really laboring on here this morning because I think it's the most fruitful part to our relationship with God. Yet in a leadership, task-driven life, if we're not careful, we can diminish the power of personal and corporate prayer. And if there's one thing I feel the enemy's going after, it's not, I'm not just saying corporate, I'm saying even in my own life, is, is trying to shut down prayer. He's trying to shut down our connection to heaven. He's trying to shut down our invitation to God to move on our behalf. He's trying to force us into our own strength In our own way, with our own ideas. He understands the power of prayer, and I think we can't diminish the power of personal and corporate prayer in our lives. See, prayer is where faith gets its exercise. And in fact, what I've learned is prayer is where vision is birthed. If you're struggling to see what's got to come next, prayer's the answer. In corporate prayer meetings even, so God will speak to you about nothing to do with the prayer meeting. That's what i found. he give you ideas and vision on where to go next or what to do. In personal prayer, God will begin to birth within you an idea. He'll birth within you a dream. If you haven't had a dream or a vision for some time, it's not about going to sleep at night and hoping to have a dream. I believe it's birthed in prayer. God, you need to speak to me. God, I need to see a new paradigm. I need to have a new way of seeing life and what I'm engaging in. God, give me a a fresh vision for my life. It'll be birthed in prayer. Prayer Prayer is the place where prophecy is exercised. Prayer is a huge growth area in our relationship with God. It's what will grow us and it's what will help us. Yet we often diminish it to a place where I'll pray when I need something or I'll receive prayer when something goes wrong in my life. I, I, we've just not got to diminish prayer to that. Prayer is powerful. It's important. And we've got to kind of get back to finding our place in natural prayer, talk to God, but also times where we set time to really go after some stuff, to really pray, and then also to listen to God. Look at Acts 2 with me, would you, verse 42. Here we see the early church And uh, it's kind of the beginnings or the birthing of the early church. Pentecost has happened. The Holy Spirit has come. And we pick it up in verse 42. It says, this is talking of the people. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. If you're kind of looking for a framework of discipleship or as a follower of Jesus, if you're looking to something that'll kind of create for you a faith-filled life, I think this list is pretty good. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It's key. They gained understanding through teaching. Not only did they hear the word, but you've got to what? Put the word into practice. Not only is it any good to hear, you don't want to just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So they heard the apostles' teaching. The key to teaching becoming understanding is to go out and live it out. That's what I found. So I can hear a great sermon on trusting God but I've got to then walk it out in my life, and then it becomes understanding for me. Or if this morning it's about prayer, it's no good hearing a message on prayer. Great, I've had some teaching on prayer, but get understanding, I now have to be a doer of the word. I need to implement prayer back into my life. So understanding and teaching was key. Fellowship was essential. Don't you love that? God's put us in community and in unity together. Fellowship, where we can encourage each other, build one another up, engage together over the things of God. As a church, we're better together than we are ever on our own. We were never designed to live in isolation, but to live in community. That's why I look at the church across. There's plenty more room for people to join the family of God, because that was God's idea, so he put them into fellowship. And then there was the breaking of bread to remember and give thanks for what Jesus Christ has done. This is so important. In other words, no matter what I'm facing in my life, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what is happening, I've always got to find the room and the time to break bread and give thanks for what Jesus Christ has done for me. It's so important and it's in the list and I think it's valuable. And then we come to prayer. I'm so glad prayer was here because I believe prayer is the thing that sustains all the other things. See, prayer helps the teaching to become understanding. Prayer helps when I'm in fellowship with others, and I'm in a tough season, and I'm finding church hard, and I'm finding my relationship with God dry, and I'm finding I'm in a tough season. Guess what? Prayer will sustain you through a tough season. It'll help you. It'll revive your faith. It'll keep you sharp and it'll keep you fresh. Prayer is hugely important. And prayer shifts your perspective when you're facing things that are a struggle. Can I give you four things? I know I've got a lot here this morning. Four things very, very quickly because I know I've got to stop. But four things that prayer unlocks in our lives. Here's the first one. It sets an atmosphere of peace in our lives. People of prayer can have a crisis going on and yet still have an atmosphere of faith around their lives. That's what sets you apart in the world that you live. In prayer, we will find that there is often a transaction of peace. We can be going through things, and it's difficult, and it's a struggle. But in prayer, I find God's peace gets released. And it's the peace that goes beyond my understanding. It's the peace of God that even in the midst of turmoil, I can still stand up, And be okay because of the peace that God has given me. So peace. Here's the second thing. It releases the burden. Prayer releases the burden. And it releases the burden to the only one who is strong enough to carry it. We are often not equipped to carry the losses and the subtractions of our life. And we all have them. Things that go wrong. But our Lord is strong enough to carry our burdens. And prayer helps us to release, I've got bourbon here, but it's not bourbon. It's burden. Maybe it does help with that, I don't know, but it certainly helps to release the burden in your life. See, burden would love to hang itself around your neck. The losses and subtractions of your life, the enemy would love for you to continue to carry those day in, day out, and they'll hang heavy around your neck. And that's his plan. He doesn't want you to pray about that because I know in my own life, when you begin to pray, you begin to release the burden that you're carrying. Doesn't mean the situation goes away. Doesn't mean that you're still not some pain, but the burden, the heaviness, that which is designed to drag you under is released to the one and the only one who is able to carry your burdens. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I didn't want to take my jacket off because I wore it today and thought I'd get away with it, but I have to. I'm sweating because it's such a nice jacket. I wanted to kind of keep it, but anyway, here we go. Here's the third thing. I nearly made it to the end. My jacket on. The third thing that prayer gives us is prayer. In prayer, we get heaven's perspective. I think this is so important. In our own strength, in our own lives, we have such a limited perspective. We only see such a small part of what is truly going on and what we are truly facing in our lives. But prayer gives you heaven's perspective. In fact, nothing stirs your heart for those who don't know Jesus like praying for them. Because Jesus' heart is for those who don't yet know him. And when you begin to pray into God's heart, when you begin to pray into what matters to him, you get a heart for it. You can't help it. So prayer gives you the perspective that God has for the world that he so desperately loves. When you're down, when you're feeling heavy, and it's probably none of you, but it's probably just me. But when you feel down or when you're feeling heavy, pray. And when you pray, you can sense the presence of God around your life. When I walked through depression in my life some years ago, It was dark and you couldn't see a way out. Everything felt difficult and heavy and muddy and fatiguing and depression kind of latched on. And I found that difficult. But what I found helped was prayer and not just prayer in my room, but every time someone offered to pray for us, I was at the front because in prayer, hope would rise in my heart. Even just for a moment faith would build on the inside of me and I would have moments where I go, it's gonna be okay. And every single one of us need those moments that say it's going to be okay. Prayer would give us heaven's perspective. Here's the fourth and last thing. Prayer releases the supernatural. Prayer releases the supernatural. What I love about that is it removes me from the equation, allows the Holy Spirit to become the answer. When I don't pray, I try to do it in my own strength. Do you understand that? When I don't pray, I start trying to figure life out on my own. I start doing it with the gifts God's given me, my abilities. Well, my abilities, my gifts are pretty small in comparison to what God can do. They're minute and they're minuscule. They might feel like I can achieve a lot because I'm pretty gifted, but I don't mean I'm pretty gifted. I mean, maybe I feel gifted so I can achieve a lot. But really, in the scheme of things, what I can achieve in my strength is very small. But when I pray, I ask the Holy Spirit into my circumstances and into my situation. And when you invite God's presence into your life, that is supernatural things can happen. You can achieve far more with God than you ever will on your own. So invite God through prayer. Over the years as an individual and corporately as a church, we've seen God do amazing things. It was unlocked in prayer. A lot of the vision, the way we came to find this building and this property was, was birthed in prayer. Prayer is a key to releasing the supernatural. Look at James 5, verse 13 to 18. Is anyone, I'm finishing with this, the worship team can come back. Thank goodness we all say. James five thirteen says, Is anyone among you in trouble? let them pray is anyone happy let them sing songs of praise do you want two keys to a fruitful life prayer and praise prayer and praise and i found if i'm lacking praise if i'll engage in prayer it won't be long before i go from just prayer to prayer and praise again cuz prayer gives you heaven's perspective releases the supernatural, and all of a sudden, I'm not locked in what I was facing. I'm now reminded of the bigness of God. And when you remind yourself in prayer and invite God's presence, guess what? You get to praise pretty quickly. In a moment, we're going to come back into a time of worship. But I thought it would be really good for us this morning, and perhaps this is going to take you a little bit out of your comfort zone. Try not to do this very often, but just really felt it pressed on my heart that just for the next few moments... I want to invite you personally just to engage with God again in prayer. Just to spend the next few moments just inviting God's presence maybe into a situation that you're facing. Maybe there's something going on for you and you need to just again say, God, I need you to move in this situation. Whatever you personally are facing in life, maybe there's something you're believing for. You just got to talk to God about it. Take a moment or take two moments just to, Say, God, I need you to move in my situation. By doing that, you exercise faith. Perhaps you need peace in a situation or you need heaven's perspective on something. Maybe you have a heaviness, a burden in your life that you need the Lord to carry. You've been carrying it by yourself for far too long. You know today you need to say, God, you need to help carry this burden. Or today in prayer, why don't you invite the Lord to carry that burden? And in faith, release it to Him. How does that work? What I've found is as you pray about a situation regularly, you begin to feel the burden just kind of lift off your life and you recognize, hey, I've released it to God. I've invited God to move in my situation. Many of you here this morning, I can think of so many situations in this room right now, you need a miracle. You need the supernatural to be released. You know, it's an area of church life that so often we can struggle to understand. But what I do with this one is I just build my own faith by simply saying a simple prayer, Lord, I'm ready to receive what only you can give. I'm ready. But I know that even if I don't today receive my miracle, it will not stop me trusting God It will not stop me praying and asking. Because I think we've got to be like the persistent widow. I think we've just got to keep praying and praying and praying until we get to that point of tipping. Just don't give up. And so I just say every time, God, I am ready. In my own life, I need a move of the supernatural healing in my own body. Well, God, I'm ready for you to do what only you can do. So why don't you stand with me?